All right. Good morning. Welcome to Community Church. We're glad everybody's here. The we've already started. We've already started, um, and 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 we are excited because we get to come together to worship the King of Kings. We get to worship the one who created us. We get to worship the one who created the whole entire world. And regardless of where we're coming from, regardless of where we're at, this morning as we jump into worship, let's let it all go. Let's focus on the one that matters. And let's just enter together. The Word of God says to make a joyful noise. The Word of God says to make a joyful noise. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We are interceding right now on behalf of a nation. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus, to Canada. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus, to Alberta. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus, to Spruce Grove, to Stony Plain, to Parkland County. Maranatha, come to Spruce Village. Come to Woodhaven. Just begin to declare the area you're from. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. We intercede. We join with you on behalf of a nation. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. We make a joyful noise on behalf of a nation. Hallelujah, Lord. Move, Lord. Can you see him walking into those communities? Can you see him walking into the schools? Can you see him walking into the homes? I can see it right now. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Mm. Hallelujah. You know, Anita sent me a text during worship, and it just reminded me of something I was working through last night. Last night was our last night of prayer here at the church, and we just had a beautiful time of giving thanks to the Lord. And so many beautiful testimonies of what the Lord had done. And during that time, I received a text from my sister. And in that text, my niece, who was six months old, was in the hospital getting surgery at that very moment where they believed her intestines had started to twist. And you could just sense in the text her fear And as I began to pray for her last night, I just felt the Spirit of God say, I want to make myself known to her. And I feel like there is a healing in the air. I feel like God wants to heal that little body. But I feel like there's healing in the room. Anita woke up with an asthma attack last night and didn't go straight to this place of poor me. She went to a place of I feel God wants to heal. I feel God wants to heal. So, Anita, I want you to release this. God spoke to you last night about healing. So I want you to come up, and I want you to pray a prayer of healing. So if you need a healing, I just want you to stand to your feet, raise your hands, whatever you need to do. I believe there is healing in this room. Oh, Father, Jesus, you're so, so good. You are the restorer and healer of our bodies. 
by your stripes, Jesus. By your stripes, we are healed. And right now, I lift up this little one in the hospital, Father. I release healing. The blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ is more than enough. It's more than enough for that little one. And I speak healing, healing to those intestines, healing to her inner body. Oh, God, release healing into that little one in the name of Jesus. Father, release healing. Body, soul, and spirit. The purposes of God are yes and amen over that little one. And no weapon. Lord, as we've been learning Psalms 91, no weapon, no weapon formed against that body will prosper. For the Lord God is her keeper. He is her keeper. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for your blood. And Lord, I ask, I ask God for everyone in this room who struggles with physical ailments, whether it's in their mind, whether it's in their body, in their heart, or any part of their, any part of their organs, God, in their physical body, I ask for healing now. Healing is available. And healing is your children's bread. It belongs to your children. And we are, we are, we are the children of God. Also release healing. Let healing flow. Oh, the bomb, the bomb of healing flow in this place. The blood of Jesus flow in this place. Restore bodies. Restore minds in Jesus' name. I want you to test your bodies. If you've had pain in your bodies, test it right now. Because that pain is going. That pain is going. God is restoring right now. As we take that step of faith, as we release it, it's coming. It's coming. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Because Jesus is faithful. So one last time, I want you to make a joyful noise onto the Lord's. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. We declare this is truth, Lord. Healing upon your body in Jesus' name. We will make a joyful noise because you are good. You are so good. Amen, amen. Can we say amen? Oh, I feel it in the room. All right. Um, this last week, I was uh, just all week long, the Lord kept whispering to me, and it was an interesting passage. You, you're very familiar with it, and I don't think I've ever preached on it in my whole life because it's just, it's just one of those you know, basic messages. Everybody's heard this. Everybody has been in Sunday school. Anybody here been in Sunday school? Did you hear about building your house on the rock? Anybody ever hear that? I mean, we've got songs galore based on that, and I was thinking one all week, but this is what it says in uh, Matthew 7, 21, or thereabouts. It says, uh, actually, no, it's probably 24, but I'm going to read the part before later. Uh, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, And the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. For everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man 
who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, and it fell. And great was its fall. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as having one having authority and not as the scribes. And so we know that story. It's a great story. But the nuance of what was coming on me as the Lord was whispering that scripture to me was not the nuance that is the classic takeaway from this story. Because the classic takeaway is this. Hey, you need to get saved. You, you need to be born again. You need to start building. You know, you need to establish. You don't want to be established on sinking sand. You want to be established on the rock, which is Jesus. And the sense is that this is a one-off. You know, the sense is that, yeah, I, I want to give my life to Jesus. And so we use that as a call. We use that as that, the calling card of bringing the uh, people into the kingdom of God. And, um, and once they've done that, they say, whew, all right. <laughs> I'm glad that's over. Now I'm building on the rock. Now I'm a Christian. Now I'm going to church. Now I'm doing the things that I think I ought to do. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm now on the rock. I'm not on the shifting sands anymore. But that's not the sense I got this week. I got the sense that this was a progressive kind of thing. And that, that the reason why we like one-offs, the reason why we like, you know, moments like this where I was, I was out and now I'm in, is it, is it gives us a sense of security. It gives us a sense that, whew, now I, now I know I'm good. <laughs> and unfortunately, we've been, we've been given this false sense of assurance that, hey, once you just pray the prayer and you're in, you got your ticket. You got your, you know, you got your first class flight to heaven when you die. And you know what? Uh, I I don't have a problem with that. But there are, there are things that are much more complex that God is doing in, in our lives. Now, there is a place where you get that assurance that you know, that you know, that you know. uh, John is writing and he says that his spirit will witness with my spirit that I'm a child of God. And that's where you get the assurance. But, you know, I, I remember as a young Christian, the assurance would came from at this moment in time, on this date, at, this, at, at that point, I became a Christian. And I would get a, you know, it would feel like that was it, except every time, you know, I led an imperfect life or had an imperfect moment, I asked Jesus into my heart again. Anybody do that? You know, anybody respond to altar calls multiple times? Right? So, so you know, because the assurance just wasn't there. Well, if the assurance isn't there, then there's something missing. Your spirit is not witnessing. Your spirit is not backing you up. Your spirit is not giving you the assurance. And so, so these things are progressive. They're totally progressive. Now, that might be scary for some of us, but it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be because we serve a loving God who began this work inside of us. We serve a loving God who 
called you, who went and got you while you were in the darkness, who began this process. So he's not giving up on you. He's just wondering if you're going to give up, right? He's not, never going to give up on you. Now, it's very interesting because this passage, Matthew, I, th- I think I said 24, but I, I was reading this morning because I went back. I, I like to think of context. You know, when Jesus says something, you know, a lot of the times we just sort of start right there at verse 12 or right there at verse 28 or right there. But, you know, sometimes Jesus said things before other things. Right? Like, you know, how many times do we start quoting a scripture that says, therefore, therefore, dot, 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 dot. Well, you know, as somebody said, you should find out what it's there for. (laughs) In other words, there was a caveat before. There was a context. There was something that that led him to say this that was more, you know, perhaps larger, broader in significance. So listen, listen to what he says before this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh Uh-oh. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Ah. Pastor Mark, what are you doing? Don't read me the Bible. Don't tell me the whole thing that Jesus said. I was, I was secure for a moment there. I, you know, I thought, well, once I'm prophesying, once I'm worshiping in a charismatic fashion, once I'm, you know, where your treasure is, there is your heart. So I, I'm tithing and I'm giving. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good about my, my position. And then you go and say this. What? People who call on his name, people who prophesy, people who have done many wonders in his name. He's going to say, What? And then he turns around. Then he says, therefore, <laughs> therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to this. Wow. And so the sense I was getting was that God is wanting to deepen the ground on which you are established. He wants to deepen the, the core of what compels, what motivates, what is the catalyst for your doing good things. And we're going we're gonna to see in a minute that the entire scripture, the whole gospel, is essentially about this idea. The gospel is about changing the foundation from which you operate, not only in name, not only in religion, not only in lifestyle, but there's something more profound than behavior. Because here he's talking about behavior. uh, We did these, this, this, this. Wasn't that enough? He said, no. No, it's not enough. I am digging away at the core of you And I want to tell you this morning what that is. What is it that God is really after? What, like, when? When do we know? Hey, this is it. I'm established on the rock. What does that actually look like? Evidently, going to church is not enough. Having biblical theology is not enough. Now. Well, if this is true, shouldn't shouldn't that be reflected in some of the lives of of the of the modern, you know, or the first, first uh, 
generation believers? I mean, shouldn't the apostles have said something about this if that was true? Maybe, right? Well, listen to this. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 7 says this. I'm going to read down to 14. This is a great passage of scripture. I love this. Paul is writing, he said, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness. We pause there. Pause there, right there. Not having my own righteousness. Not having my own righteousness. Holy Spirit, we ask for the penetrating light of your presence, Lord. We want your righteousness to be the foundation. We want to be found in you not having our own righteousness. God, so Paul is saying this. He's expressing it as a desire, He's expressing this as a goal. He's not saying, yeah, back, you know, the year 30 AD, I prayed the prayer when I fell off that horse, you know, (laughs) blinded. I was in desperation, and I said, Jesus, I submit. But submission is more than tweaking a couple of things and changing the title on your business card from atheist to Christian. It has to do with a deep thing that's in the heart. I'm praying today in, in, this, in this journey, in this time, that something inside of us will cry out to God. Say, God, I want your righteousness. You know, it's not by accident that in Matthew 6.33, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We're seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What that really means is this, is that, to have the kingdom, you have to have his righteousness. And if you don't, if, if his righteousness is not what compels you, then you have something partial. You're incomplete. You're on, you're on, you're on the path, but we're not done here. Now, what does it mean to have his righteousness? What, what, does, that, what does that actually mean? It means this, that my confidence doesn't come from how well I do. <laughs> Right now, think about this for a second, because even the fact that I mentioned, hey, look what the Bible says. Jesus said to people who said, get thee behind me, who prophesied and seemed like great Christians. You know, what did that make you feel like? What happened inside? Did you want to did you want me to shut up? Did, did, did you want me to stop talking? Were you like, like, no, 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 no. Once saved, always saved. Like I feared Sometimes we fear even considering the question because it starts to shake something. Something starts to wobble. Something starts to become unsure and unstable inside of us. It's like, what is that? I I don't want that. No, no, this can't be God. This makes me feel less secure than I did a few moments ago. I want to just feel secure. I want to feel secure. Jesus is good. Jesus is good. I love Jesus. I want to feel secure. Shababa. Listen, here's the deal. The very fact that we can feel afraid or concerned about our condition and wonder suggests there's something that needs to be opened up. Something that needs to be opened up. 
Last night, I heard the most amazing testimony. I'm just trying to look around and see if that person is here. I'm sure they wouldn't, they wouldn't mind uh, because they shared it openly. But, but um, Julia shared a testimony last night, and I, I, it was so beautiful. I, I'm not going to share the whole testimony, but she was talking about something that's happened between her and her mom. And, and as she talked, this amazing sweetness began, I was on her words, on her, her lips, and it just oozed out of her. And, and when I was looking at her eyes, I, I was thinking, oh, this is so beautiful. Because, because she, she just, you've come through something. I thought, this, Julia, I love this sound because not only is it great that you have this new relationship with your mom, but more importantly, something in your heart of hearts has shifted and you will never be the same. And the effect is, I, you know, she has this new relationship with this person in her life. And she said, gone is the bitterness. Gone is this edge. Gone is this thing. It's just not there anymore. Now, she didn't just become a Christian this last week. Right? But something shift. And this oil, this love, this commodity is flowing out of her in a new way. Hallelujah. Now, this is not new to you guys. You've heard this before because uh, I've been very clear about my own journey. I've been very clear about these things where I knew there were deficits. I knew there were things. I knew there were insecurities. I knew there were fears. I knew there were ambitions. I knew there were, there was warped things in my soul that I was trying to mitigate or trying to compensate for with good behavior. But God is saying, I don't want just good behavior. I can change that. I can change. See, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There are things that can flow out of you with ease, with ease that just aren't there anymore. You don't have to suppress them. You don't have to control them. You don't have to bite your tongue. You don't have to, you know, be, force yourself to be nice. I'm a Christian. I've got to be nice. Hello, nice to see you. I hate that kind of living. If Christianity is me suppressing who I really am, give me a new life. I don't want that one. And that's what he said. My, my, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When I change your heart, something else begins to flow through you that's deeper than right behavior. And it comes out of brokenness, and it comes out of repentance, and it comes out of looking in the mirror, and it comes out of feeling like, I, I don't know, I thought I was doing this right, and now I'm not sure I even want to listen to you anymore because yesterday I felt like a great Christian, and now I don't. Good. But listen, listen to what he says. Listen, I, I, I want this to happen. He says, I, I want to have something other than my own righteousness. I want to derive my confidence that God likes me from something other than my likability. See, if you if you're deriving confidence from your likability, if that's what gives you boldness to say, "Hey God, we got a financial need here, and you remember me? Remember how much you like me? How, you know, I'm nice." 
That's the wrong foundation. That's sinking sand. No matter what you title it, no matter what scriptural motivation or justification you put behind it, that is your righteousness. I'm really nice. You should do this for me. You know what faith is? You're really nice. You love. You, you've seen my wretchedness. You know what I really am like, but you, you, you love me anyway. God, you are faithful. You are righteous. That's what faith is based on. In the song we were singing there, they said, uh, you know, when, when we sing praises, he hears faith. So Paul goes on and he says, so I want to be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is from the law. You think, well, I'm, I'm not an Old Testament law person. No, 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 but you have a code. The law is whatever code that when you do it, you feel good, and when you don't do it, you feel bad. In other words, your, your, sense, your confidence is resting on a certain kind of performance. Whether it's Old Testament or just your own cultural family Christian mixture of this is the way we behave as civilized former Mennonites, former reformed, former, you know, whatever we might be, heathens. <laughs> because it's the code, the code that says, if I do this, if when people come to the door, I smile say, and speak n- nicely to them. If I go to the bank and somebody's rude and I'm not rude back, then, then that reinforces that I'm a nice person. And I derive confidence from that. That's sinking sand. And so when, when God says, let me go beyond the surface and figure out what your confidence, what your boldness is really resting on. Is it resting on you or is it resting on me? That's a fearful thing. That's a scary thing. And if you don't know that you know that you know that you know that he loves you anyway, you will try to avoid such moments. Everything inside of you will try to pull away from such moments because you're not sure. He continues on. He says, I don't want to have my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. What are you talking about? You have... You have not attained to the resurrection from the dead. Aren't we there? Like, you know, the day I said, Jesus, come. Like, isn't it a done deal? I got my contract. I got my signed bill of sale, whatever. And this is what he says next. He says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold for that which, for which Christ Jesus had laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now we can debate theologically, well, is this, is this entering, is this attainment, is this about going to heaven, or is this about uh, acquiring manifestations of the kingdom of God here on earth? You know, which is it? doesn't matter because the point is our life needs to be on a trajectory that's always going up that's his point he's always pressing on there's always something more 
And, and I question the complacency, uh, the kind of confidence that gives life to complacency that says, I'm done. Hello? Yeah. I question when that complacency exists, I want to say that there's deception there. There's a lie there. There's ignorance there. There's hiding there. And God is saying, listen, I want you to walk in the light in a whole new way. I got more light you can imagine. But you just need to summon the courage to, to take down the window dressings, take down the facades, take down those things. Say, say, give me reality, God. Give me your reality. Give me your light more than anything else. See, we have to know which foundation we are building on. Let me, let me tell you something about the fear that is just under the surface of so many of our lives. So much fear, so much insecurity, we're not really wanting to evaluate. We're kind of like, we're kind of like that person who's insecure. It's like, it's like they're showing somebody something else and they start to look more carefully. Well, you know, it's, it's all good. You don't, you don't have to go line for line or everything. What is that? It's like fear, insecurity. Something's in that then. I'm not a builder. I'm not, I mean, I, I would have been a builder had I not become a Christian and gotten saved and all that. I love construction, but I can't do it very well. And so a lot of things that go wrong, and when things go wrong, uh, it makes me nervous. Have you, anybody in that boat? It's like, you know, there's water on the floor in the furnace room. It's like, let's just close that door. <laughs> right? This could be a big problem. I would rather not know about it. Right? But people who know how to fix things, who know what they're doing, they're not afraid of that. They want, don't close the door. Don't, put, don't paint over that. Like, you know, the, the wall's bubbling, but we'll just put another coat of paint. No, you need to, you need to look behind that. You need to find out what's there. It's like, because that's not going away. <laughs> it's not going away. But, but what is it that says, no, it's good enough. We'll just patch it up and go on our way. Ignore it. Let's pretend it's not there. See, the Christians, listen, our life has got to be devoted to I will turn over every rock. I will, I will look for every blemish. When there's a blemish, you know, I, I shared this before. It's the iceberg principle. What's the iceberg principle? When you see an iceberg, you realize you only see one-eighth of it. When, it. when something starts sticking its head up in your life, let me tell you, God is the one who's exposing. And when you say, well, it's not very serious. Okay, I, I had that moment where I lost it on a teller or, you know, gave somebody the finger while they were driving, but they really deserved it. That kind of rage is not really me. Dismiss, cover over, eh. I am just having a bad day, right? So I haven't eaten yet, you know. I need a Snickers bar. <laughs> no, 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 there's something there. And if Jesus were your righteousness, you would not be afraid to begin to pull back the layers and say, hmm, something really wrong here. Let me look at this. That is not generally our approach. It's like, ah, yeah, it's not serious. You know, let's get back. And somebody says, well, you know, you really hurt me when you said that. Yeah, I know I'm sorry already. I already told you several times I'm sorry. Come on. What is that? I don't want to look at this. Don't want to talk about it. 
Come on, husbands, wives. <laughs> right? Let's just keep going. Our marriage is pretty good. You know, but marriage is about actually uncovering the rot. <laughs> ah, hallelujah. Come on. And if your marriage is just so good, there's not rot and no, you've never had an argument. I just say, man, you belong in Hollywood. <laughs> because your acting skills are superb. Now, I'm just going to turn to John 21 because in John 21, uh, this is after Jesus was raised from the dead. Last encounter that Peter had with Jesus, it was from a distance, and it was, it was, you know, I will never forsake you. All these other losers may, but I will never. And Jesus turns to Peter and says, before the cock crows three times, you will deny me. You will deny that you know me. And so that happened. We know that happened. And here after the resurrection, Peter's out. And if you go to verse one, you'll see that they go out fishing. And then Jesus shows up on the beach and he says, children, have you any food? And they answered no. And he said, well, cast your, cast your net on the right side and you will find some. So they cast and now they were able to draw in a whole multitude of fish. And then John says, it's the Lord. Because you remember, he, he was, came in a totally different form. They didn't recognize who he was. And as soon as John says, it's the Lord, Peter dives into the water, leaves them to do the fishing. <laughs> and he just dives in the water, comes to the beach. And, you know, he comes first. He's going to be the first one to greet Jesus. And it's all good. It's all good. You know, let's, let's forget about that denial. Let's forget about, you know, the, the treachery. Let's forget about my cowardice. Let's forget about the fear of death that overwhelms me. And I came something I, I dread, something I accuse everybody else except me would be. And so, you know, I, I can just see Peter. He's sitting there thinking, well, it's going good so far. We're having some food, you know, cooking some fish. Jesus hasn't brought it up once. We're not talking about my cowardice. We're not talking about my betrayal. Hallelujah. Oh, man, I'm just, I, maybe I could do this. Maybe I could be a Christian again. Maybe I could follow him, you know, because, you know, man, that was, that was just a bad, it was a really bad night. That wasn't really me. And Jesus, as you know, is not one to break, to open up old wounds. <laughs> Except in verse 15, he says, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Oh, <laughs> Right? Because that was the whole thing. I am better than all these. All of them will run, not me. Watch, let me cut this ear off this guy. Jesus is there, and he's like, we're not, we're not going to push this under the carpet. We're not pretending this didn't happen because it's the elephant in the room, and as long as I ignore it, you may think that we're still friends because I've forgotten. I want you to know, Peter, I, I have not forgotten. I know exactly what you did. But I'm not pushing you away. But we are going to deal with it. And there's this amazing dynamic that plays out here. 
as if three times. Because why three times? Because Peter's like, ah, really? <laughs> Do we have to talk about my nakedness? Because they're not alone. The other guys are there. I think it's funny, you know, we do altar calls and every head bowed, every eye closed, you know, because we don't want to actually have to do this before men. You don't want to have to confess the Lord before people. Let's make it as comfortable and easy for you as possible. And I'm not saying those things are wrong. I'm just saying it betrays our tendency. So he says, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord, uh, you know, you know that I love you. Yeah, come on, God. Feed my lambs. It's like, oh, shit. Feeling uncomfortable, sinking into the sand. Then he said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said, well, yeah, yes, Lord. You, you know, I mean, I'm the guy who drove off the boat, came here in all my clothes, left the fish, tend my sheep. Now, there's, there's layers to the meanings of this because he actually is using different Greek words for love. There's seven Greek words. So he's actually using, he doesn't use the same Greek word for love. And I'm not going to get into that part. What I want to get into is the scalpel. The, the, the digging, the pushing, the I don't care how you feel. I don't care how much shame is coming up. I'm actually delivering you from that shame. And your tendency would be to bury it, to cover it up, to pretend it never happened, and it'll be the elephant in the room for the rest of your life. This thing, your, your skeleton in your closet, you hope doesn't come back to haunt you, but I'm going to deal with it because that's what I do. We need right foundations. So he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter grieved and said to him a third time, uh, he said to him a third time, uh, Jesus says, do you love me? And he said, you know all things. You know that I love you. It's like, I'm not even sure if I do. But you know. You know that I love you. I mean, I'm disposed in some way towards you. I'm here, aren't I? But this is the point. This is the point. The foundation of our lives has to be deeper than behaviors. It has to be deeper than, you know, us doing the right things to mediate or mitigate for our fear, for our sin of yesterday. Like throw an extra hundred in the plate because, because we feel particularly guilty on this Sunday. What is that? It's not righteousness that comes by faith. That's you buying forgiveness. See, there's layers and layers and layers of impulses and motivators for doing the right things. And God says, you're not done until we go through all of the motivators and get rid of all of them so that none of your confidence is you doing this right, this right, this right, this right, this right. And if you do all these things right and you think that's what makes me happy, then I'm going to let you do all these things wrong, 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 wrong. I'm going to withdraw my grace from you. You're going to become everything you hate, everything you vowed you didn't become, so that when I say I love you, there's no illusion about who and what is happening. I'm doing the loving. (laughs) There is no credit given to you for being lovable. Sinking sand, rock. 
Paul says, I want to be found not having my own righteousness. You know, he writes in Romans 10, and we'll close right away. Romans 10, he writes, he says, For I bear them witness, talking about his, the Jews, he says, that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. This is the heart message for us. There's a confidence that comes from you doing the culturally correct things as dictated by your youth, as dictated by your biblical understanding, as dictated by the culture of the church that you grew up in. And there is a confidence that comes out of knowing, no, he loved me first. One can be shaken. One is held together by fear and a certain amount of darkness, denial, and pretentiousness. The other... It's wide open. I know exactly who I am. I know exactly who's responsible for this. That is a solid rock. One of my kids the other day was, let's say, say that differently. This person I know. (laughs) They're in a new employment situation. And they were... They were recruited while they were working another job, and uh, there's this clear sense of favor, that they were given favor. Now they've come to the job, and, and this person <laughs> had their first little moment of disapproval from the boss. You know what that does? That's, that causes a shaking. Man, I'm, I'm not, maybe I should bail and run. Maybe I, I, don't, I don't know if he thinks I'm, I'm good enough for this job. I'm, you know, I, how do I justify myself? How do I explain this? How do I help out my situation? I'm afraid. You see, that's our response as soon as God comes with light to say, okay, let's set aside these nice things you're doing. Let's look under the covers. Let's look under the bed. Let's look behind that green stain under the window and see what might be hiding in the walls. It's hard. It's difficult. It challenges the core of who you are. But the exchange is beauty beyond comprehension. The exchange is a solidity, uh, a consistency, an expression of the kingdom of heaven that cannot be shaken. And it's worth it. It is worth it. And we are on our way to that. Amen? Father, let me pray. Father, thank you. Let's stand up. Thank you, God, that you called us. Thank you that when we didn't know what righteousness was, you said, I'm going to send my own son. When, when we didn't know what love was, you said, I'm going to love you. When we didn't even know what it meant to worship, you said, I'm going to train you how to worship me and not yourself. Father, we lay it all down and we say, Lord, change us. We want the foundation of everything that we're about and everything we do to be from you. God, deliver us from our own righteousness and, 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 and present us in fearless faith. God, I pray in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? amen. Thanks for joining us online. We bless you. Thanks for tuning in. Share it out with your friends.